this morning's message is about worship, so we thought there'd be a value in studying worship and then worshiping together. So uh, that's why the, the change of, of order on that. So today we're unveiling our, our new mission statement. A mission statement encapsulates the effort of a church, a, a business, an institution to fulfill its purpose. It, it reflects the marching orders for that entity. And our mission statement as a church is being updated to, to streamline it and, and make it simpler to remember. We want all people of, of all ages to be able to articulate what we are about as a church. Are, are these guys ready to come, come forward right now? Bring, bring them on down if, if, you, if you would, please. We're going to have some, some help and then uh, some audience participation as well. So I've asked some of the kids who were, were here last Wednesday night at their youth group to help uh, introduce this message and, and to help introduce our new mission statement. I want you to be able to see them, okay? So you guys, uh, would you please tell the adults what, what is our, our mission statement uh, for Batesville Christian Church? Love God, love people, impact the world. Perfect. Let's hear that again. Love, love. God, love people, impact the world. All right. Great job. Thanks, guys. And now you get the chance to, to say that. Would you, would you say that with me? Uh, love God, love people, impact the world. In the New Testament, we have an image of what the picture of the church should look like. And as we, we study that first church of the, the first century, we see that it was a healthy, growing, united, vibrant in purpose and, and, and influence. And so today we have that completed picture presented in the book of Acts of, of what we want the church to look like. At Batesville Christian Church, we, we want to be a first century church in the 21st century. We want our church to resemble that original church that we read about in the book of Acts, the, the history book uh, of the early church. And the early church was something that was strong in, in love. It was uh, strong in outreach. It was strong in, in generosity. It, it was strong in prayer. And that's our vision. And that's the, the snapshot of what we want BCC to be. And realizing that a river is purest at its source, we want to go all the way back to the beginning and try to restore today's church so that it replicates that first church of the first century. Our vision is to be a first century church in the 21st century. Our mission is the mechanism that propels us toward that end result of our vision. And so our mission is to love God, love people, impact the world. Over the next three messages, I'm going to unpack just exactly what that means. And we're, we're going to explore six values that define us as a church. We'll look at two of those each week. We'll fall under each of those headings. So today, as we begin with our, our first prong of our mission statement, we want to study what it means to love God. I want us to see that there are two specific responses that can help us grow to better love God. And we grow to love God through our, our weekend worship together and our, our personal worship 24-7. In, in the great commandment, Mark chapter 12, verses 28 through 30, Jesus was asked, what's of primary importance? What, what is the greatest commandment? It says, one of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating, and noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer, he asked them, of all the commandments, which is the most important? The most important one, answered Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. Love God. 
Jesus was saying, when you put in the big rocks first, this is the biggest of them all. It's numero uno, number one, top priority, love God first and foremost. And loving him comes first. It's above everything else. And with all of our being, with our, our heart, that is our emotions, with our soul, that's our, our spiritual being, with our mind, that's with your intellect, with your strength, that's with all your physical reserves. In order to be a, a first century church in the 21st century, we need to love God. And we fall in love with God when we worship. And there are two ways to worship, and they're both needed. Personal worship is what happens one-on-one in your, your personal relationship with the Lord throughout the week. It's 167 hours of the week. And then that 168th hour is when we combine for worship. We have this collective worship service. And, and so let, let's look first at the personal side of that, personal worship. The, the way that we live our lives every day is intended to be an act of worship to the Lord. I think that's what the Apostle Paul had in mind when he penned these verses in Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. They suggest, again, that our entire being belongs to God, mind, body, heart, soul. He writes, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. The the word worship comes from an Anglo-Saxon term, worth-ship, meaning to ascribe value or worth to someone because we consider him or her worthy of honor, homage, or reverence. In Genesis chapter 22, in the first book of the Bible, when, when Abraham took his son Isaac up on Mount Moriah to offer him as a sacrifice to the Lord, that seemed like a very confusing request. This was the son for whom Abraham and Sarah had prayed for decades. And now God was asking him to give up the boy. Abraham told the servant, stay with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship and then we will come back to you. And that verse is significant because it is the very first time the word worship ever appears in the Bible. And it's in that context of giving something to God. Well, God made it clear that he didn't want a child sacrifice. What he wanted was to test the purity of Abraham's faith, a test which Abraham passed with flying colors. That's the first mention in the Bible of worship. That's the first mention in the Old Testament of worship. Do you know that the first mention of worship in the New Testament? It's found in the Christmas story. It's Matthew chapter 2, when the wise men came to worship the baby Jesus. And do you remember how they did that? By bringing gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. The, The fundamental motive for our worship is that we want to bring something back to God. A a song, a prayer, an offering, a a focused moment. Even our longing for God is is a gift to him. And that demonstration becomes powerful for the worshiper. We love him because he first loved us. 1 John 4, 19. God made the, the first move 
with us. He initiated this loving relationship. He alone is worthy of our worship. Love God first, fully, foremost, forever. In John MacArthur's book, The Ultimate Priority, he tells of a report in the Chicago Tribune of a New Mexico woman who was frying tortillas when she noticed that the skillet burns on the tortilla resembled the face of Jesus. Excited, she showed it to her husband and to her neighbors, and they all agreed there was a face etched on the tortilla and that it truly bore a resemblance to Jesus. So the woman went to her priest to have the tortilla blessed. She testified that the tortilla had changed her life. Her husband agreed that she had been a more peaceful, happy, submissive wife since the tortilla had arrived. The priest, not accustomed to blessing tortillas, was somewhat reluctant but agreed to do so. The woman took the tortilla home, put it in a glass case with piles of cotton to make it look like it was floating on clouds. She, she built a special altar for it and opened a little shrine to visitors. Within a few months, more than 8,000 people came to see the shrine of Jesus of the tortilla. And all of them agreed that the face and the burn marks on the tortilla was the face of Jesus. That is all except for one who was reported to have said he thought it looked more like former heavyweight boxing champion Leon Spinks. <laughs> Doesn't that sound crazy? Worshiping a tortilla? But you know, sometimes we've been guilty of giving homage to some pretty insignificant objects of worship. We've worshiped cars and careers and clothing and hobbies and money, popularity, even other people. Kyle Eidelman wrote a book called Gods at War that challenged to be aware of the gods, little g, that compete and try to supplant our allegiance to the one true God of heaven. It is important that we remember that the object of our worship is the living God. It is important for us to see him in all of his power, for he is a God of love, a God of wisdom, a God of grace, and a God of mercy. He is kind, patient, holy, and just. He is sovereign, unchangeable, omnipresent, omniscient, and omnipotent. He is to be our focus. And we can connect with him in a variety of ways in our personal worship. One of those great ways is, is through his, his creation, being out in nature. I, I always feel so close to God when I'm watching a, a, a storm blow in or a, a beautiful sunset or two deer bound a, across my path. And when I see newborn life, it's a reminder of God and his provision and power. But when we grow in our love for God, our impulse, our natural response is to worship him. Not only is there a need to do that personally on a, a daily basis as individuals, but we need each other. We need the inspiration that comes from moments like this where we gather with other Christians, where we unite our worship to him through a dedicated focus that is our, our worship service. What happens when we, we come together collectively in worship on Sunday is the combination, it's the culmination of our individual worship throughout the preceding week. 
We all take the worship that we have given God for this past week and we carry it in here and then we collectively unite it, combine that, and, and we give that all back as a gift to the Lord. In addition to our, our personal worship being necessary for our spiritual health, we need that coming together, assembling with other Christians collectively to unite our, our response. And so let, let's talk about that also, the, the need for this combined worship. Sally Morgenthaler, in her book, Worship Evangelism, writes, Worship is the most powerful tool that we have for satisfying the hunger of famished, injured souls, for breaking down spiritual strongholds of pride and unbelief, for ushering in the gift of true joy. How can we refuse it? Our whole culture, saved and unsaved, is starving for an extraordinary glimpse of God. You remember in John chapter 12, verse 32, Jesus said, If I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. I believe the primary meaning of that verse was probably a reference to the cross. If Jesus was lifted up on the cross, his provision would be to draw all people uh, towards salvation. But I think there's also a secondary truth that as we lift up, as we elevate Jesus, as we focus on him in worship, he draws people to himself. They fall in love with him. They, they learn to love God. The most important, powerful thing a non-Christian can see is Christians worshiping with intensity, with enthusiasm, with passion. Do your neighbors see that worship is a priority to you? Does your car drive to church every Sunday, or does it make it to worship once or twice a month? Are you dedicated to coming together on Sunday? Hebrews 10.25, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together as some are in the habit of doing. Be faithful to honoring the Lord who gave his life for us. One of the best methods of evangelism may be the magnetic attraction of genuine worship. We want that experience to be authentic. A fire started on some grasslands near a, a farm in Missouri and the fire department from a nearby town was called to put out the fire, but the blaze proved to be more than the small town fire department could handle. So someone suggested that they notify the, the rural volunteer fire department for help, and many doubted that they would be any help, but in, in desperation, the call was made. And shortly, the nearby volunteer fire department arrived at the top of the hill in an old, dilapidated fire truck. Without pausing or considering their own safety, they raced down the hill right to the heart of the blaze. This ragtag group of volunteers jumped off the truck and began to fight the flames with a vengeance. They succeeded in extinguishing the fire and saving the old farmer's family farm. The old farmer was so impressed with the efforts of the volunteer fire department and so grateful that his farm had been spared that he issued a, a check and presented that to the volunteer fire department for $1,000. The, the local news reported asking the volunteer fire captain, what the department planned to do with the money. He said, well, the first thing we're going to do is get the brakes fixed on that truck. <laughs> well, they, they seemed focused. Let me ask you a question. Is your focus singularly on the Lord, or is it easily distracted? Do you enter into worship with abandon, or are you tentative and observing from the sidelines? Our combined worship is intended to spur us in our private worship throughout the week. You pursue your relationship with the Lord through your lifestyle of prayer. Your behavior becomes a pursuit of worship 
as your life becomes a living sacrifice to God. Worship is not just some 70-minute experience at the church building, but it should intersect all areas of our lives. In order for that to happen, we must each prepare individually in advance for our combined times of worship. We are each taking our personal worship from the preceding week and laying it at the feet of Jesus today in this collective sense, seeking his renewal for a new week. How can we do this practically? Well, you can approach each worship service by praying in advance, Lord, help me to be sensitive to the guests who are visiting our service today. Help me to, to listen to the message from your word and apply it to my life. Help me to participate joyfully in the, the praise time and generously in the offering and introspectively during the Lord's Supper. Lord, may people respond to you at the decision time. Those who are hurting, may their spirits be lifted. Those whose hearts are heavy, may their burdens be lightened. You get out of something what you put into it. Are you sensing that to truly worship requires some advanced planning and, and preparation of the heart? We can't just grab a donut and walk in and, well, let's worship. We have to begin some preparation days in advance in order to, to maximize this time together. The U.S. Government Peace Corps manual contains some unusual preparation directives for workers in the Amazon jungle. It tells what to do in case attacked by an anaconda. The anaconda is the largest snake in the world, grows to 30 feet in length, can weigh three to 400 pounds, and, and this is what the procedural manual says. Quote, if you are attacked by an anaconda, do not run. The snake is faster than you are. Lie flat on the ground, put your arms tight against your sides, and your feet close together against one another, tuck your chin in. The snake will come and begin to nudge and climb over your body. Do not panic. <laughs> I continue quoting, after the snake has examined you, it will begin to swallow you from the feet in first. They always do it from the feet in. Permit the snake to swallow your feet and ankles. Do not panic. The snake will now begin to suck your legs into its body. You must lie perfectly still. This will take a long time. When the snake has reached your knees, slowly and with as little movement as possible, reach down and take your knife and very gently slide it into the side of the snake's mouth between the edge of its mouth and your leg. And then suddenly rip upward, severing the snake's head. Now listen to the final two suggestions. <laughs> be sure you have your knife and be sure your knife is sharp. <laughs> The lesson for us, come prepared to worship. Bring your sword of God's word, the Bible. And it doesn't matter to me if you have a bound copy, if it's an iPad you're carrying in, or if it's on your cell phone. Bring the sword of the Lord, his word. Acts 17.11 commends the Bereans, for they received the message with great eagerness and examined the scriptures every day to see if what Paul said was true. They weren't some self-appointed watchdog committee, fact-checking the apostles so much as they were enthusiastically searching God's word. They received the message with great eagerness. They were wanting to follow it expressly and bring their lives to conform with it. We publish in advance the, the future topics for the messages and, and the future texts, and, 
if we read ahead and follow along with each week's theme or topic, just like the Peace Corps volunteer in the Amazon jungle, we'll be better prepared for worship and for the outcome. If I come in preoccupied with the, the pressures of life, if I'm distracted by the bengals Steeler matchup today at 1 o'clock, um, if we're wondering what's next on my to-do list, then I, I won't get as much out of worship today. I, I won't be prepared for what God has made available. If I'm harboring anger, resentment, or unforgiveness against someone, I won't get much out of worship. Jesus said, if you go to worship and remember you have an unresolved conflict with another person, he said, leave your offering on the altar and go immediately to that person and reconcile at once. The Bible's clear that God doesn't want your vertical worship if you haven't made an effort to resolve horizontal conflict in your life. Worship is essential to our spiritual health. Worship will keep you from sin, or sin will keep you from worship. That's why when people are disobedient to God or they're out of step with doing what he desires, they find it hard to worship. Remember in the Garden of Eden when Adam and Eve had sinned and had eaten the fruit that was forbidden? What did they do? They hid from God. They didn't want to run into God. They didn't want to have a conversation with God. They didn't want to hear what he had to say to them. They felt sheepish. And that, that shame is a consequence of sin. Sin distances us, distances us from God, and sin distances us from worship. Worship now is ultimately preparing us for worship later in eternity. Listen to what John Piper wrote. He said, all of history is moving toward one great goal, the white-hot worship of God and his Son among all the peoples of the earth. That's this crescendo that is, is building. That will be this climactic moment of, of all eternity. Our worship together here on earth is preparing us for worshiping God in heaven. In, in heaven, it won't be based on a certain style of music. It, it won't be traditional. It won't be contemporary. It won't be formal. It won't be casual. It won't be Saturday service. It won't be Sunday service. It will be this constant effort to say, thank you, I love you, to the one who died in our places. Yesterday marked the one-year anniversary of when I almost died. I walked into Margaret Mary Hospital while undergoing a heart attack with a 100% blockage of the, the main artery, the LAD, experiencing a phenomenon called the, the Widowmaker heart attack. And they said, we're sending you on to Christ. Thankfully, they were referring to the best hospital for heart in the region at that moment. I could have been very easily sent on to Christ himself. I was born at Christ Hospital, and I wondered would my life end there like my mother's had. And riding in the ambulance, a passage of scripture came to mind. It was Philippians 1, 20 through 25. It started to circle in my head where Paul said, I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. For me to live is Christ, to die is gain. If I go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. What shall I choose? I, I do not know. I am torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far. It's more necessary for you that I remain in the body. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain, and I will continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith. I serve him with an extra urgency 
because I've been given an extension of time, and I want to say thank you. How do you convey gratitude to one who took your place, received the penalty for your sins? How do you do that? You live for him every day. You serve him now, and then later, we'll have all eternity to try to express our thanks and our love. But please don't wait until eternity to start. Do it personally, every day worship him, love God. Do it collectively when we join together our individual worship from all week into this giant gift that we present to God on Sundays. There are six values that define Batesville Christian Church. These are attributes, again, of that first century church that we want to embody in our 21st century church here in, in Batesville. And these core traits that we're seeking to develop include prayer, cultivating a purposeful reliance on God that seeks him first, community, forging an atmosphere of, of learning and, and spiritual growth. Uh, we'll talk about those two under this heading of love God. Uh, outreach, forming intentional relationships to, to connect people with Christ. Generosity, develop, developing this attribute of instinctively giving more. Impact, creating a, a difference by serving our, our neighbors locally. We'll talk about that the third week. And opportunities are coming up for, for that with the party at the park and, and with the food pantry during October. Missions, making an impact for Christ that extends his influence globally. Those are values that were key to the, the early church that we are trying to, to restore and manifest in our church. Let's talk about the two that fall under that category of love God, and that would be the first two. The value of prayer, cultivating a, a purposeful reliance on God that seeks him first. The prayer should never be our last resort, but it should be our first response. We seek God first. The early church had this devotion to prayer. Paul Harvey told of a, an incident that happened in Mobile, Alabama, where a, a young mom pulled up at a grocery store with her four-year-old son to pick up a few quick items for supper, she warned him, now don't you start with me about buying you chocolate chip cookies, you hear? Mama has to get a few things. We're not getting cookies tonight. She strapped him into the grocery cart, started grabbing the few items that she needed. They came down the aisle with the cookies. And he begged, Mama, can we please get a box of chocolate chip cookies? She warned, now don't you start with Mama. I already gave you that talk. And they went down another aisle, and he asked, can we go back and get some chocolate chip cookies? She threatened, do you want a spanking? Mama told you we're not getting cookies tonight. She got in the checkout line, and desperately the little fellow thought, this is my last chance. <laughs> Paul Harvey related that the little guy stood up in the grocery cart, and at the top of his lungs he said, in the name of Jesus, could we get some chocolate chip cookies? <laughs> Evidently, other customers in the store were either amused or convicted because Paul Harvey reported that the, the young woman and her son went back to their car with 23 boxes of <laughs> chocolate chip cookies. Too often, our, our prayers are not bold enough. We need big prayers as a church. As we journey on this path of becoming a church of our vision, we need bold prayers. As, as we strive to fulfill this mission, we, we need bodacious prayers. Ephesians 3.20 reminds us that God is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. The first century Christians had an urgency in their prayers that few of us have probably ever achieved. They were devoted, faithful, undistracted. Prayer was a top priority. They also had the value of community. 
forging this atmosphere of learning and spiritual growth. And, and BCC is a place where you can grow with others who are also in this journey of the Christian life. You don't have to be an island. You don't have to try to do it alone. Our worship experiences are designed to bring you closer to the Lord, to, to make you want to worship him 24-7. Many times I'll, I'll have a song circling in my mind that we have sung on Sunday morning and continue to be able to worship with that throughout the, the week. Eugene Peterson put it this way, worship does not satisfy our hunger for God, it whets our appetite. The more we see of Jesus, the more we know there's still so much to be seen. And the more he touches our lives, the more we realize our desperate need for him to consume every part of us. Beginning with an orientation with the basics in BCC 101, we go on to adult Sunday school studies and more than a dozen life group options meeting throughout the school year, striving to help us grow in Bible knowledge, caring for each other's needs, serving as the shepherding arm of the church. And these all provide encouragement, learning, accountability, and support to all who will get involved. No one has arrived, but we're all constantly learning, growing in this journey of spiritual growth. Today, we, we focused on worship, and God deserves our, our full attention, our, our excellence, only the best for God. The finest of the herd or flock would be selected for sacrifice. God deserves the best, and we dare not hold back from him. He requires that first portion of our harvest and, and of our money. It's not compartmentalized worship, but this consolidated worship that integrates our entire being and way of living. It's not one hour a week for God in worship, but 24-7 worship with the understanding that everything belongs to God. This morning, we studied about how to love God through worship. Right now, we're going to bring him our best as we worship. Would you stand and we'll worship together? <laughs> 